Welcome to the Dublin Bible Talks, midweek Bible Talks for workers in Dublin. I'm Cameron Jones. There's no secret here, no mystery, not in Christianity. What binds all Christians together, even across that great divide of Jew and Gentile, is the message to the nations that Paul was charged with preaching and why he was in jail as he wrote Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1-13, to which we looked at today. And please consider joining us live on Wednesdays from your workplace, 1pm Dublin time on Zoom. It's a simple way of identifying as a Christian in your workplace. Simply use the link bit.ly slash Dublin Bible Talks. That's bit.ly slash Dublin Bible Talks. Well friends, the passage we have today is a little odd because it's all in brackets. Of course, they didn't have brackets in Greek. It was all in capitals and there was no spaces or any punctuation at all when Paul wrote this. But you can see the translators of this passion of this passage have indicated uh, that this is in brackets using a dash. And it sort of reads like that, doesn't it? Chapter 3, verse 1 sounds like he's going to make a point based on who he is. And then verse 2, it's like he changes the subject, not really finishing the thought of verse 1. And if you look down, you'll see that he doesn't really get back to that subject until verse 14, which is where he uses the same phrase. 3 verse 1, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. 3 verse 14, For this reason I'll kneel before the Father. The repetition of for this reason connects those bits. And so what we're looking at between is really what we're looking at today. It's a bit of an aside. For some reason, even after his amazing introduction, Paul wants to emphasize something before getting on to what he is on his being a prisoner for this for their sake. So what's so important that the one Jesus sent to people like us, oh yes, they lived a long time ago, they lived in a different part of the world, but they're like us because they were not Jewish. What is so important that the Apostle Paul must stop and say it before he goes on? Well, friends, we find in these verses that the reason is our salvation. Did you notice in the passage as as I read it that it's all about him as a prisoner and as a servant. 3 verse 1, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. He's being quite literal there. He's not being metaphorical. It's a bit hard to tell what jail Paul is and at what time this is in Paul's life because he's been in jail so often. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says that even compared to the other apostles, he's had far more imprisonments and countless beatings and often near death. Now that's a passage that people who claim that Christianity is about appearing victorious in this age should really read, shouldn't they? Where he's in prison, however, and when he's in prison, it doesn't really matter. Because why he's in prison is what matters. He's in prison, look at it there, for the name of Christ Jesus. He is imprisoned, look at it again, on behalf of you Gentiles. Friend, friends, the word Gentile is a very big word. It really means nations. It means everyone in the world who isn't Jewish. Paul is the one that Jesus has sent, and his mission is to the nations. Now, there are people in Australia who support Alex and me here in Ireland. We live entirely off support of people who generously give, people who think what we're doing is important and they give to support it, and some of you do that too. Our Australian friends, however, they might say Cameron and Alex are our missionaries to Ireland. I mean, that sounds a pretty big job, doesn't it? (laughs) 
But Paul's work that he was in prison for, getting beaten for, getting shipwrecked and adrift at sea for, risking robbers and wild animals on treacherous roads and going hungry and thirsty and without sleep, it was all being done by him, a Jewish person, for the sake of the rest of the world, for the sake of the nations. And that was very strange because up until now the Jewish people had done everything they could to be separate from the nations. Paul's emphasising that his actions that have led to his imprisonment are not rebellion against God. They're not rebellion against God's King, the Lord Jesus Christ. No, what Paul is doing is actually obedience to Jesus. His imprisonment is because of Jesus. Not because Jesus had deserted him or because he deserted Jesus. No, he's there because he is being faithful to the cause of Jesus. But his imprisonment is also for the sake of the nations, because that's what his job is. A job given by Jesus himself to be the missionary to the nations, to all of them, as many as he could possibly get to. Paul is in prison for Gentile evangelism. Friends, if you feel nervous about evangelism, about telling other people about Jesus, because people might not like it, it's not new. You're not the first to feel that. In fact, if people don't like us speaking to them about Jesus, the real Jesus that we find in the Bible, opposition and even hostility, we understand is what we should expect. Why on earth, then, would you do it? Well, that is what the passage is about. Because it's all about what Paul calls the mystery, the great secret. We find it in verses 2 and 3 where it says, Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. The word mystery there means secret. The word in English mystery seems a little bit more spooky. Um, it has the idea in it that no one can understand it. But the word that Paul uses here is closer to what we mean in English by secret. Something that we know, but others don't. Not something baffling that most can't understand, but if you're intelligent enough or special enough, special enough you'll get it. The gospel message is not a puzzle or a riddle that God requires us to work out, and only those who have the knack can get it. Sometimes, in religion, mystery means mysterious, something strange or unusual, as if its obscurity and its ambiguity is what makes it significant, and understanding it is actually not the point. In fact, claiming to understand it is to undermine it, to make it less significant. There was even a class of religion at the time that Paul was writing, and early earlier called mystery religions that focused on the individual initiation and some kind of ecstatic experience through drink and even orgies. No, that's not what Paul's talking about here. That's not what biblical Christianity is talking about. No, what the Bible and what Paul is talking about is a secret, something that's hidden, not difficult to understand, but just something you don't know because no one's told you about it. But it's something that you can know you can know it if someone does tell you. It's not found by your skill or your intellect or your wisdom. It's simply by being told, by having it revealed to you. What am I going to eat for my lunch today? 
What am I looking at right now on my desk? You can't tell, can you? It's not something you can work out. You can only know if I reveal it to you. My asthma inhaler. <laughs> you couldn't have just guessed that. You needed it to be revealed. That clip that I sent you earlier in the week of The Hobbit, uh, where uh, Bilbo meets Gollum and Gollum is going to eat Bilbo, but Bilbo says to him, well, how about we... How about you don't eat me if I can answer your questions? We'll have a competition um, and a sort of a best of three. And so they start having riddles. And riddles are something you can work out. That's more like a mystery. But at the end, Bilbo says, what's in my pocket? The only way that Gollum could know that is by Bilbo showing it to him. That's what Paul means here when he's talking about a mystery. This is a secret. What was the secret? If you don't know Paul's role as the messenger to the nations, you won't know why he's in prison. It's about this secret. But if you know what God's given him to reveal this secret to the nations, you'll know that's why he's in prison, revealing this secret. But what is this mystery? What is this secret? Verse 2 again. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 2 Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Do you know the story of Paul, who was once called Saul? If you don't, then you really should read Acts chapter 9, where you hear of Paul, who is a passionate advocate of killing Christians, imprisoning them, and then killing them. But God revealed the secret to him and turned Paul around. By God's mercy, by his undeserved favour, by God's grace, verse 2. And Paul was given a particular job to do. God's grace was not given to Paul for Paul's sake, you see. God's grace was given to Paul for the sake of the nations, for the recipients of this letter, including us. Interesting, isn't it, that God's generosity is, is expressed in giving Paul a job to do. When he received the message of Jesus that saved him, it didn't stop there for Paul. He had a great job to do. When you received the message of Jesus that saved you, it doesn't stop there. We have jobs to do. And God uses people like you and me to spread the news of his grace, to tell people the secret. All Christians, friends, are missionaries. You are Christ's agent in your workplace, in your neighbourhood, to spread the news that rescued you so that it can save others. And notice that Paul sees this not as a burden, he sees it as a gift. What an un unbelievable privilege to not only believe, but also be entrusted with the message for others to believe. This stewardship Paul was given involved this secret, this mystery, verse 3, that is, the mystery made known to be my, by revelation, as I've already written briefly. That secret I revealed <laughs> about what was on my desk, that secret about the story of the Hobbit in Tolkien's account, uh, that revelation for ages... 
for ages God had a secret. He hadn't, he hadn't told anyone about the secret. But God has ma- now made it known. He's now revealed it. Like me holding up my inhaler, like Bilbo having that secret in his pocket that we know about because Tolkien told the story and included us in that secret. That secret has now been revealed to Paul and now Paul can reveal it to others because he's no longer ignorant. He now knows. What does he know? Verses 4 and 5. 4 to 7, actually. The revelation. But look at 4 and 5. In reading this, then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery, the secret of Christ, which has not been made to known in other, to people in other generations as it's now been made known revealed to by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. For millennia, people were ignorant of this secret. Even God's chosen people only knew hints of it. They knew that one day, one day that God would do something to keep his promises. They knew some of those details, but it was still hidden, it was still secret. They trusted, many of them, that God would one day do it. That was what was important in the Old Testament age. They knew that one day God would do it, but they never saw how. They were still waiting. They were still longing. They were still waiting for the secret to be unveiled. Some of us will remember from what we did in 1 Peter that even the angels longed to know this secret. But now it has been revealed. Paul knows the secret because God's revealed it. And Paul has become a gospel minister. Verse 7 I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. It's in the preaching of this message, the speaking of this gospel, the message of Jesus, that the secret is revealed. And what's remarkable is that both the content of the message and the way it's carried by ordinary people is a part of that secret being revealed. It's, also, it's not just about what God has done, it's, how, it's also about how people get to know it. Paul is a servant, a minister of this gospel. And that is what all Christians are in one way or another. As a teacher of the Dublin Bible Talks, my primary job is to serve you, to equip you, to help you. I'm not over you to try and make you do something that you don't want to do. I'm beneath you to assist you in what you long to be doing. Or maybe I'm working to excite you about the work that God has given us to do together. What we do here in the Dublin Bible Talks is really very strange, isn't it? I mean, I come here and I teach from the Bible, God's Word. And it's very strange behaviour, but relatively harmless, an unbelieving observer might think. But I don't think they could be more wrong. Nothing is more dangerous than listening to the Word of God. Because listening to the Word of God transforms your life. You might not see it in the faces of the people here on the Zoom call. It's even possible that you've not really been changed by it yourself yet. But keep coming along because God's Word really does change us. For the better. But it's dangerous. (laughs) But Paul is more than just any minister. He's got a special job. Verse 8. Although I'm less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. 
Now, Paul calls himself the least, the lowest, the most unexpected of all Jewish Christians to be doing this job. Why? Because he'd been a persecutor of Christians. And his apostleship was abnormal compared to the other apostles. They had all spent three years with Jesus himself, but Paul hadn't. He was especially chosen, Acts chapter 9, if you want to see the story. But God poured out his generosity on this very least impressive, this very least likely convert, and made him to be his messenger to the nations, revealing to all the world the riches that are in Jesus. Verse 9, And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. That's the surprising how. But what was the mystery? What was the secret itself? If you were following along in the text, you might have noticed that we've skipped a verse, and it's the verse that explains it. It's verse 6. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. This is God's great plan, his great secret that has now been revealed. What God had in mind before the creation of the world, that we, who are not Jewish, are made full heirs of God's promises along with God's chosen people, the descendants of Abraham, the people of Israel, with the saints. That's been a theme that we've been coming back to again and again in this letter so far. Remember back in chapter 1, verses 13 and 14? And you, Gentiles, also were included in Christ when you, Gentiles, heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you, Gentiles, believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Or maybe look down again to chapter 1 verse 18 where he said, I pray that the eyes of your Gentile heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, Gentiles, the riches of his glorious inheritance of his holy people, Israel. Or with great clarity in chapter 2 verse 11 and following, where he says, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, Remember, at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And the end of the argument in chapter 2, verse 19. Consequently, you Gentiles are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Heirs together with those Jews who accepted Jesus as their Messiah, the King, who have the inheritance of God's promise promised to them over centuries, now revealed and fulfilled in Jesus. But wonderfully, not only for them, not only for the descendants of Abraham who believe, but from, for people of all nations who believe. That's why Paul's a prisoner. 
It's for his work bringing the gospel to Gentiles, to the nations. It's so that those kinds of people, so that we could be partakers of the same promise of the glory of God. Not one message for the Jew and none for the Gentile. Not one inheritance for the Jew and none for the Gentile. As God has been saying since his promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 to 3, the message spoken throughout the whole of the Old Testament, referred to here in verse 20 as the prophets, God's promises were certain but still veiled. They were still secret. But now... Now there are also the apostles, those sent by King Jesus who has come, spreading the message of grace. Christ Jesus who died on the cross for the sins of the whole world and his resurrection. That is the mystery revealed. That is the secret that is now out in the open. There's not one way of salvation for Jews and another one for Gentiles. Not one set of promises for Israel and another one for the nations. No, the secret is out that it's now open for everyone who believes. Everyone has full access to the promises, to the inheritance, to eternal life, to freedom from sin, to reconciliation with their Creator equally when they come to God's King the Lord Jesus Christ, who has died for all who trust in him, who has risen defeating death for all who trust in him, who is now seated in glory and and has brought us and has brought with him all who trust in him, all who hear this secret now revealed and believe in this Lord Jesus Christ, share in this, no matter who their parents were. Friends, even today, if you have an observant Jewish neighbour or friend, the division between you and them still exists. The men still wear signifiers in their heads, on their heads, a yarmulke, a skullcap. They may not be able to accept an invitation of you to eat at your house because you cook dairy with meat. If you had an Irish breakfast with black pudding, They couldn't eat it with you. If you went to their synagogue, you would see a separation. Men permitted on one side and women on the other. Maybe a veil between them. You would not, as a man, be permitted to touch a woman. And the women do not sing. You are a goy, a part of the goyim, an outsider, separate. I was reading about whether I, a Gentile, should attend a synagogue on Shabbat. And the advice that I was given was that I could go, but I shouldn't go on feast days, because that's when more people attend, and it's not right that I, an outsider, a Gentile, a Goy, should have a seat, and a Jewish person not. And it struck me that that's the opposite of what we do as Christians. On our special days, like Christmas and Easter, they're the days that we put special effort into inviting guests, bringing in outsiders because that's the change that Jesus has made to our thinking. It's for everyone. And God started this transformation with Paul, a Jew of the Jews, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees, the most elite and observant and orthodox Jew you can imagine. And now he's preaching to the nations that they're welcome. He's now sharing the table with them with their meals. That's unthinkable for a Jewish person to do with a Gentile. 
telling them that they are just as much part of God's kingdom as the Jewish believers. That's a shocking thing. And that the Jews who reject Jesus the King by not believing him are now outsiders to the kingdom. In verses 10 and 11, Paul talks about something about the method and the message. This is what God's plan is. That through the church, verse 10, and through Christ Jesus, this message is going out. Through the church, verse 10, his intent was that now through the church, in Jews and Gentiles meeting together, note there that he's not talking about an institution. He's talking about Christians gathered together, Jew and Gentile believers together, wherever they happen to meet, whatever building it is, through the church, through Christ's people, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. As an Anglo-Australian, some of you from South Africa or Mauritius or Northern Ireland or Dublin or Kenya or Uganda, we are all together as saved as my friend Martin, who's a Christian from a Jewish heritage, because we are united in Jesus' death and resurrection. And when we get together like this, even on this call, it is a declaration to the universe and beyond, even to the place of God's rule in the heavens, even to the place of the great spiritual powers, including the evil one, when we get together, we are a declaration through all realms that God has done it. When Christian people get together, the devil and all those who align with themselves with him are confronted with his defeat. Friends, that's how important it is when you go to church. But it's through Christ Jesus, that's the second area that Paul talks about in verses 10 and 11. We see God's secret plan revealed in Christ himself. Verse 11, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. God's plan is that what has, God's plan is what has led to the public reign of Christ. Jesus' death wasn't a desperate scramble by God to put things right after Adam messed things up with his sin. No, before the creation of the world, God had planned that Christ would die for the sins of the world, to bring about the salvation of people from all nations, so that they could come into his kingdom, kingdom equally and united in Jesus' name, able to call God Abba, Father. That is why, the gospel, that is why gospel preaching is not an optional extra in Christianity. No, this is a message for all people who are Christian to carry. So the gospel goes to all, carried by all Christians, carried by us, carried by you to your colleagues, to your dear friends, including our neighbours. This is Jesus' intent. And if you doubt that, have a look at Luke chapter 24, verses 44 and following sometime. As we come to a close of this particular section, we find in verse 13 that as we do this, that suffering for the gospel is no surprise. Paul is in prison for doing this. Verse 13, 
I ask you therefore don't be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which are your glory. The cross of Christ brings us the glory of God. Suffering for the glory of God is the heart of the Christian message. Didn't we see that in 1 Peter? Like Jesus, who went to the cross before going to glory, we go through suffering to glory. And so it's no surprise that the one that Jesus has sent to the Gentiles is suffering as he speaks to the nations. It's not surprising, it's certainly not failure, because it's part of God's purposes. So, friends, don't lose heart. Friends, there are so many reasons we might lose heart as Christians. Paul was attacked, world mission is attacked, Ireland no longer permits missionary visas to come to this country. But Christianity is a missionary religion. We don't expand by force or fighting, but by preaching, by speaking the message of Jesus to others. Friends, I would be very surprised if it happened, but just consider. Would you be surprised if you were sacked because, of, because you spoke of Jesus to a colleague? Just assuming it wasn't because you did it unwisely or because you were rude, but just because you spoke of Jesus as the only way of salvation for those who believed, just imagine that you got sacked for saying that. That would not be a thing of shame. That would be a thing of glory. I mean, in the past, and even today, Christians have been sacked. And more than that, they've been beaten and persecuted and driven from their houses for sharing the message of Jesus. And that itself is glorious. Can you get your head around that? Honestly, I struggle myself. But in this week, which is included Reformation, the day in which we remember the Reformation, remember the people who were burned at the stake for insisting that Jesus is the only way of salvation. I still struggle with the glory that is the cross of Christ. That's why I struggle with the idea of me suffering sometimes for the sake of the gospel. But I shouldn't struggle with it when I look clearly at how I became a Christian, how I was reconciled to God. It was by Jesus' death for me, and then through his resurrection and his ascension to glory. What I need to do, and maybe you need to do as well, is see more clearly the glory of the church and the glory of the gospel that we see in the glory of Jesus on the cross. That is the secret revealed. And as we speak of him, some, some will be saved, just like we have been. Thank you for listening to the recording of the Dublin Bible Talks. You can join us in real time on Wednesdays at 1pm Dublin time on Zoom, bit.ly slash Dublin Bible Talks. That's bit.ly slash Dublin Bible Talks.